Hello, everybody, and welcome to McKay's Music Corner, a musical discussion podcast that and it starts... starts right now. and welcome back to McKay's Music Corner, a music discussion podcast. So thank you so much for joining me today, um, clicking on this episode or tuning in for another episode. Today's episode is all about one piece of music in particular, an album that was recently released this year. So let's get into it. A Kiss for the Whole World by Enter Shikari. So this was an album that was released on April 21st, 2023, and it is Enter Shikari's seventh studio album. So yeah, I'm a big Enter Shikari fan. I think I started listening to them right when A Flash Flood of Color came out in 2012. That is when my friend introduced me to the band, and funny enough, I think the first song I ever heard by them was System... which is the opening track to that album. But that was the first song I heard by them, and I was just like so intrigued. It was so interesting, the blend of heavy elements with electronic sounds. And I was still pretty young and hadn't really broadened my horizon in terms of what I'd listened to. So it was just really fun and exciting to me. And I think I instantly fell in love and checked out all their other previous albums. And yeah, many albums have come out since then, and I've enjoyed them all. I've followed them diligently, trying to go and see them in concert whenever they, whenever I could. But yeah, just a big fan of this band, and I don't think they've put out a single bad album. I think there are a few songs that maybe aren't my favorite. But in terms of an album that I would consider bad, uh, that does not exist for this band, in my opinion. So I'm going to talk about these songs track by track, my thoughts on them, what I enjoy, some key lyrics I appreciate. So let's start with the opening track, which is a titular track called A Kiss for the Whole World X. This titular track, you know, it starts off right away. I think it is a great opening track. There's that mix of orchestral energy it's a track that's full of energy and i think it's definitely an opening track it was definitely made with that in mind and it hypes you up for the rest of the album as well as delivers on the themes and expectations of what you'll hear for the rest of the album that being said i think my main criticism of the album is something that appears in this track as well but my main criticism of the album is i'm not the biggest fan of the chipmunk vocals we'll call it um we'll call it chipmunk vocals or like you know where they pitch shift and make them sound i don't even know how to do it but they like stylize the vocals instead of them just instead of the singer just singing normally i don't know a lot of bands have been doing it so it is maybe an attempt to be more modern and i i wouldn't necessarily say it's inherently bad it's just something i noticed a lot throughout this album and it was something that i didn't prefer i feel like it's almost a cop-out type of effect when you can't think of anything else to fill up the space and even though i have these thoughts 
on the chipmunk vocals or whatever you'd like to call it. I don't necessarily hate it on each track it appears on. There are some instances where it doesn't bother me as much. But on the A Kiss for the Whole World, um, it is something that appears. It appears on this track very briefly. So this one it doesn't annoy me as much as it does on other tracks. But uh, there's a part in the pre-chorus where it goes, And we're running for our lives now. And then the chipmunks come in and go, <laughs> uh, I, I should just play us. Let me just play a snippet of it because <laughs> me attempting to be a chipmunk. And look, I, I don't know what the, the best descriptor is or even like if there's like a musical term. I don't know if there's a musical term for this either, but okay, let me. So you can hear, you know, once Rao sings that line, another set of voices or voice kind of calls back, you know, repeating it. And it sounds like Chipmunky, right? <laughs> and again, I don't absolutely hate it. It's just kind of a minor pet peeve. Yeah, it's probably a musical pet peeve of mine. And we're going to spend way too long on this for the track one. But I guess, you know, I'll mention it in other tracks that it appears on. This isn't the most damning example, I would say. I think personally, I would just, I would prefer something like gang vocals by the rest of the band instead. I think that's the word. Or maybe even it could be Rao screaming, or maybe even just have Chris Batten come in there and give his beautiful voice that he does as a backing vocalist. I really enjoy all the parts of Chris throughout the Enter Shikari albums. And I, I've talked about that in previous episodes. But yeah, I probably talked too much about the chipmunk vocals. Again, I will, uh, if it comes up again, I'll let you know. But I, I really like this song. It is a, a strong song on the album. I wouldn't list it in my favorite three, but it is very strong, very opening track. And I think a lot of fans agree that it's one of their favorite openers in a while. Another part about this song that I really like is the how it ends. I really like how it ends where it's kind of stripped back. And even in the music video, it shows them like all huddled together kind of lovingly and they're just softly playing an acoustic guitar or whatever. And Rao is singing some softly sung vocals, this pleasant reverb. And then there's like these beautiful nature sounds of birdies and stuff. It's a really peaceful, beautiful way to end that track as well. Brings it all together with the sentiments of a big old kiss to the world. <laughs> And then the next song is Please Set Me On Fire, and I've already talked about this song and the next song on a previous episode, so if you want to hear my more in-depth thoughts on those tracks, go ahead and listen to the It Hurts episode on my podcast. But just very briefly, I wanted to point out another thing I really liked on the Please Set Me On Fire track. What I really like about this track is the variety of vocals, um, which is something I've noticed upon multiple listens. You've got some backing vocals, you've got some scream singing, some falsetto, deeper singing where he sings like this. Rao likes to do that, especially live. So it's always fun to hear him do sort of different things with his voice. But yeah, it's a great song. It grew on me upon first listen. Additional thoughts, full thoughts, go back and listen to that other episode. The next track on the album is It Hurts, and this is another one that was previously talked about on an episode I've already done. 
What I'll talk about for this one is this one does have that chipmunk effect, like I was uh, saying earlier. It actually starts with the chipmunk kind of sound. I'm not necessarily upset with its inclusion, but I think I'm just not a fan of its prevalence throughout the album. I don't know if you could find this type of vocal effect on previous albums. Maybe on Nothing Is True, Everything Is Possible. But it's really this album where it kind of cements itself almost as a motif. There it is. It's almost like the chipmunk vocal, high-pitched vocal thing is almost like a motif in this album where it's it makes its mark known throughout the album. Um, and I'll stop talking about that. I guess the reason I didn't have a problem with it as much on this track is because it has what is probably Chris Batten's most prominent singing on the record with the pre-chorus and I talked about how much I like that in the other episode but anytime I can hear Chris sing alongside Rao it's enjoyable and I guess I just would have preferred more moments like that pre-chorus throughout the album but you know there are a few instances of that. So the next track is Leap Into the Lightning and I really like this song. The start of the song it really let me know right away that I was going to enjoy it and I know some people aren't the biggest fan of it, but I don't know, for some reason I just really like the sounds, the what they do in the chorus with the melodies. It's very addicting. This is probably the one song that I end up singing without thinking. You know, I end up singing the chorus so frequently. <laughs> but yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to highlight about this song is it's almost kind of a similar thing that I enjoy about Post Malone, where Post Malone does this kind of like... Yeah, um, <laughs> oh god. I don't know what it's called, but kind of a vibrato. That might be what it is, a vibrato. You know, where it kind of does that with the vocals. <laughs> and I don't even know if there's an instance in Enter Shikari's music where he's ever done this. So it's. I think it was kind of just a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I know on a previous episode I said brush of fresh air. Um, so wanting to avoid that. <laughs> But yeah, it was really cool, and it happens on the chorus. Rao says, just sail your ships into Bermuda, and the vibrato happens on the the word your. Um, here, let me play that section. So you can hear when he sings the word your, there's a bit of uh, wobbliness, and oh my goodness, I love that so much. I was so tickled when that occurred. It happens on that word, your, and then later in the chorus where it says, there's no use waiting for the storm to blow over. And on the word over, he does that little warble, that vibrato there. I really enjoy that. I think what I really like about this song is kind of its message or themes. And I don't know this for certain, but the impression I get with this song the theme of it is all about kind of embracing a bit of danger, throwing caution to the wind, and leaping into the lightning, as it says. Um, and there are several lyrics that help support this theory of mine. And, you know, there might be a tweet by Rao or a, an interview where he explains the meaning behind this song, but I'm just talking about upon listening to this and interpreting it myself. That's kind of what I get. And here are some of the lyrics that I really like that kind of exemplify why I think that. Um, so there's, build your cities on the slopes of Etna. 
And, you know, I, I researched, I didn't know what Etna was, but I, I'm sure it was something that he was referencing. Um, and it turns out Mount Etna is a very active volcano in Italy. So obviously building a city on the slope of it is a very bad idea. There's all these instances throughout the lyrics about doing things that are dangerous or unwise. There's another lyric that says, But then I have a vision, a dark premonition, I'm looking out over a bad decision. And then, yeah, it's just the chorus and stuff where it says, Sail your ships into Bermuda, of course referring to the Bermuda Triangle, which is also a very unwise thing. There's a lot of mystery and danger there. Legends of ships disappearing in the Bermuda Triangle. It's a big uh, place of intrigue and mystery and danger. I just really like this song and that the themes for that. I really love the flow and the, the sound of this part in the chorus where it says, There's no use waiting for the storm to blow over, leap into the lightning. It does this... And I, I really love the spacing and the kind of jarringness of it. Um, it makes it very addictive of an earworm <laughs> for me. It's, it's one of the reasons why I sing it aloud or in my head so often. The last thing I want to mention about this song is another part that I really like. It gets me hyped, and I really hope to hear it live someday, because you know it's going to be this nice drop where the crowd goes nuts. Um, and I'll play that for you here. Take off and fly into a supernova. So I love that part. It, it It's very explosive and so much hype is, is behind it. You, you hear these beautiful strings. He's singing very softly. And then you have this, this guttural growl of the word boil. It's, it's such a cool way to explode the song and just make it so enjoyable for me. So yeah, I really like that song. And now this brings us to our first interlude slash intro slash outro track on this record and usually i have no problem with the intros interludes and outros of the enter shikari music but i'd probably have to say this is my least favorite they've ever done i enjoy aspects of it like the percussion and some of the electronic sounds some of them but i really really don't like the annoying laser sounds they are too much they make me think of cheap laser tech, and it's it's not enjoyable for me to hear those sounds. It's kind of just distracting. And so, you know, when it takes one of the song or track spots on a relatively short album, it kind of adds to that discontent. You know, I don't think it's a terrible interlude track. I, I still listen to it upon each re-listen I do. But I just wanted to state that with this one, it's not my favorite. I think they could have played around with some other sounds. Because other than that, it just feels very unnecessary. And that contrasts very obviously with the other interlude of this album, which I enjoy so much more. So that is the interlude track, Feed Your Soul. And that comes directly after Leap Into the Lightning. Alright, the next track is Deadwood. And unfortunately, for me and my husband and several other fans online, this is my least favorite track on the record. I like the idea of a lot of things about it. I like the almost spoken word storytelling type of vibe with the singing, along with the strings building it up. 
But a big part of it is the chorus lyrics are very odd and they sound odd. I don't know, I'm not familiar with Deadwood or the symbolism of Deadwood. So when Rao sings in the chorus, Am I no good? Am I made of wood? Am I just Deadwood? It's instantly weird and almost a little silly, in my opinion. It does some more interesting stuff like comparing the heart to being a wooden heart split in two with an axe. So like, so later on there are some interesting visuals that you get through the lyrics. But I'm just, it's more of just, I, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm iffy on it and maybe it'll grow on me. But it, it does happen to be my least favorite track on the album. And yeah, it's definitely not one of my favorites. And I should also note, this is one of their songs that they kind of do almost on every album, where it has two parts, where it's very slow or softer at the beginning before transitioning into a second part that kind of builds up and there's like a repeated line or set of lyrics while the music and instruments build up and then it swells and explodes. And some other examples of those types of songs are Adu, Gap in the Fence kind of does something similar, Stalemate and Constellations, but probably the most similar are the tracks Dear Future Historians and Airfield, because they both have a, a line that comes in that starts to get repeated over and over again before the song just continues to build up instrumentally and musically and just repeat those same lyrics. So I like that a little bit, but it's probably my least favorite of those examples. Alright, so the next track on the album is Jailbreak, and I absolutely love this song. It is another good one, I think. I enjoy the message a whole lot with the idea of you need to unlock your mind, you need to break out, and allow yourself not to be anchored by your own beliefs about yourself, the things you tell yourself, the negativity, and even closed-mindedness. It's a song about, you know, just being very open-minded, being free in your thinking and in your state of mind. So I really love that. It's another thing I really like about Under Shikari. I think its biggest flaw is that it can come across a bit repetitive, especially with the song starting with the chorus and then there being so many repetitions of the chorus. I wish there would have been a different section to kind of help split it up a bit and kind of take us somewhere we weren't expecting. But that said, I still really enjoy it. And the bridge... I really love the bridge. It is something that reminds me very heavily of the song The One True Color from The Minesweep. And then it follows up with a very sick beat drop type of moment. I could definitely anticipate that being an amazing part of a concert of theirs. But yeah, I really like what uh, Rao says in this section. Question everything, including your own beliefs, and especially your own beliefs about yourself. And then it continues on with the, the symbolism of being trapped in, your mind being prisoned and you need to break out. Then explodes into that amazing drop with some sick drums and there's like a prison siren kind of going on in the background. But it's not too distracting. It's not something that's blaring and obnoxious. It's very subtle and very enjoyable. So they, they definitely got the uh, balance right with that. I'm still mad about the laser tag, <laughs> but I, I like this. Yeah, just has some of my uh, favorite lyrics and definitely a very strong theme that I can definitely relate to and really enjoy. I also really enjoy the set of lyrics that they repeat a lot. I hope I keep hope intact. 
Which brings us to the next track, which is Bloodshot. And this is a song I very much enjoy. It very much feels like the Tina of this record, um, which is me referring to a song on their previous album that has a very similar energy. And yeah, for some reason, I don't I don't mind the weird chipmunk vocals as much on this track. I guess because I, I like so much about the rest of the song that it doesn't bother me. But yeah, let me play a little bit of the chipmunk thing that appears on this song. So there's another instance of the infamous chipmunk vocals I've ranted about on this episode. I don't know. I don't know what else it could be replaced with. I love so much about the rest of the song, so it doesn't bother me as much. I just thought I'd point it out again that, that here is another instance of it. I don't know what the alternative would be. Maybe this is an example of how it works. I think it's, yeah, it's just that prevalence. I, I think they, they leaned on it too heavily on this record. Like, oh, what do we do here? Uh, we want to sing, but we don't quite want just to be all singing the whole time. Oh, let's put this vocal effect on it. So I think if there would have been a little less of that on the album overall, I probably would have no complaints. But this is a song that has a really explosive and emotional chorus. I, I really enjoy it a lot. I don't know the themes of it quite as much as previous tracks. It sings about having eyes being bloodshot. So it could kind of be like this fatigue of what he's seeing, either with social media or just the stuff in the world. But I think this song succeeds in a way where the previous song, Jailbreak, did not. And that's by breaking it up and having different sounds to differentiate it. Like what they did with one of the parts before the chorus. Um, I really like that. And in this song, we finally uh, get another beautiful sounding uh, Chris Batten vocal section. And I think it's a really good one. So yeah, there's just so much to like about this song. It's It has that energy the same way as Tina does, where I think a lot of people are going to want to hear this live. A lot of people are going to want to get off their feet. But yeah, of the few tracks on this album, this is definitely one of my favorites, definitely in the top three, and I think it is followed up with an interlude that very much deserves to be on the record and is much more enjoyable, unfortunately, than the Feed Your Soul one, and that is Bloodshot Coda, a much better interlude track. It feels a lot more justified than Feed Your Soul. There's lovely strings going on that continue the sounds of Bloodshot. Something I always appreciate with Ender Shikari is they, they really like to experiment with the symphonic and orchestral sounds and have some strings here, some trumpets, and one of the things I really enjoyed about their last album was they experimented by having a whole track that was completely instrumental and it was this, I don't know what the right terminology is, but it was like a symphony and it sounded very beautiful and they let the storytelling be done through the instruments itself. And the track I'm referring to is uh, Elegy for Extinction. I really like that one on their previous record. But yeah, I like inclusion of different instruments. The next track is called Goldfish. And uh, this uh, track, the title, has a little squiggle. I can't remember what that symbol is called, but it has a little squiggle after the name Goldfish. I, I don't know if that's supposed to almost symbolize 
a little fish. That would be my best guess. Otherwise, it's just there randomly to add a bit of flair to the song title. But I enjoy most of this track. I really do. I enjoy most of it. I think this is another song where, again, the lyrics are a little odd sounding, both in and out of context. Yeah, it's mainly the chorus, too. Um, in the chorus, Rouse sings, You are under my control. You are a goldfish. I am the bull. And I do want to applaud the, the metaphor, the symbolism. I think that itself is very strong, but the, it sounds kind of weird when delivered. So I'm not sure what could be done about that. Again, the, the symbolism is very strong, probably stronger than the lines constructed. But yeah, it just sounds a little strange. So it's, it's one of the weaker tracks for me personally. And I, I don't mind there being some slower songs or some less energized songs, but this one just didn't do it for me in that sense. Okay, and the next song is Giant Pacific Octopus, I Don't Know You Anymore. And this is one of the best tracks on the album. I love this as a closing song. There's an outro related to it that does the actual closing of this album, but this song is really good. It packs a punch. It ends too soon, honestly, but it does so in a way that leaves you wanting more and it's just very enjoyable. I, I love the themes of this song as well, of the kind of focus on identity and referring to himself as an octopus that can kind of shift colors and appearances at will. And then again in the chorus where he talks about, I don't know you anymore, I don't know you anymore, or maybe I never did and maybe I never will. I really like those lyrics and the way they are delivered on the song. I can tell that Rao has put a lot of emotion into it. Almost like you could feel the heartache of thinking you know someone when you truly don't. You know, kind of this betrayal type of feeling. And there is also a level of acceptance in accepting that you don't know this person anymore. And, you know, maybe you never will. And that's kind of how the song ends as it transitions into giant Pacific octopus swirling off into infinity, which is a very satisfying, atmospheric end to the album. It's mostly an instrumental outro, and like the song suggests, it does give off that vibe. It's very pretty. You could definitely picture an octopus peacefully just like drifting along through the water off to wherever the next chapter is. And it definitely seems like that is the takeaway to get in terms of their music as well. And that feeling of, ah, oh, there's something more. I want something more. Because even uh, Rao tweeted about how the track does that and how this is just the beginning um, there's more to come type of stuff. Um, so I like that. I don't think there's like a part two of an album soon on the horizon or that. I, I think it just means the passion is strong. It's still there and they they love music and they love making songs for Enter Shikari. But yeah, those two songs together go really, go really well. Those are, I really enjoy them. It, it's, a, it's a satisfying end for me. And something I've always loved about Ender Shikari is their appreciation and sense of wonder for things like nature, animals, space, discovery, truth. 
So the idea of this symbolism with the giant octopus and shifting colors and personality changes and trying to figure out who you are, I think is really neat. Um, they were definitely wacky uh, song titles when I first read the track listing, but they uh, it makes sense in the context of the songs, and I think it's very creative and fun. Very strong close to the album. Um, but there's a really weird part in the song where they add this sound effect to to kind of like pair off with a set of lyrics, and I don't I don't understand the tie-in. So let's see. So it says there was a whole collection of characters there. I couldn't help but stare, and then it does this eagle sound effect, this eagle shriek or call. I, I, don't, I don't understand the relevance with the lyrics. It feels so out of nowhere. The only thing I can conjure up in my mind is with the word stare, I couldn't help but stare. It's like an eagle is in the sky and he's staring upwards and that's what he sees, but it doesn't make sense in the context of the rest of the lyrics. I, I don't know. I would have removed that and had it been like a, a distorted wah, 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 wah sound or something. I don't... It, it was an odd choice, very odd choice, and even if, I feel like even if the band explained to me their reasoning, I still wouldn't agree with it. <laughs> but it's just a minor thing. The, the song itself is still fantastic. Um, it's a very short song, two and a half minutes, and then the Octopus into Infinity as the outro. My overall thoughts on the album is I really enjoyed it. It's not my favorite Enter Shikari album, and I even hesitate to say least favorite because that implies that dislike it somehow, but I still really like it. I just think it comes down to, I am disappointed with the length of it. I don't think it's quite up to par consistently with their previous albums. But obviously one thing we can tell is Rao and the rest of the band are fantastic at production. They're really showing their hand at that skill, being able to produce these amazing sounding songs in terms of the mixing and the instrumentation. But I feel like the songwriting and lyrics maybe took a back seat this time around. There are some cool lyrics, especially in things like Bloodshot, Jailbreak, and Giant Pacific Octopus, you know, my three favorite songs, along with It Hurts. I don't think Andrew Shikari has ever put out a bad album. I wouldn't call this a bad album. I would just say I like the other albums a lot more, but this was still something kind of different. It offered a lot of fun ideas, and I, you know, I hope they continue to do that. That's something Andrew Shikari always does is keep trying new sounds, and there's always a different vibe, and it's very enjoyable overall. And I'm sure my appreciation will only grow if I am lucky enough to hear them perform this album cycle live. Songs like Bloodshot are gonna slap really hard, along with Jailbreak and Leap Into the Lightning. Those are gonna be absolute bangers to hear live. Um, and they, they put on the best of best shows. So much energy and passion. And So yeah, that is the episode. I wanted to talk about one of my favorite bands, new albums. Let me know your thoughts. You can follow me on Instagram at McKay's Music Corner. Please check out my other episodes. 
have a lot of different episodes to choose from if you are new to this podcast. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. This is McKay's Music Corner, signing off.